which practice would you rather buy? Would you rather buy the practice that I ran when it was on my back and I was carrying 75, 80% of the volume and doing all the work? I was doing the resides, I was doing the adjustments, right? And I had all these assistants around me. Do you want to buy that practice? Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franson. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm Dr. Pete. I'm Dr. Stephen. We are here with you and we're coming from New Hampshire, Hampton, New Hampshire. That's right, that's right. I'll tell you, we've, uh, we've had quite the weekend Let's give you a little recap of what we've been doing this weekend. So uh, we did some heavy lifting, both in the hell barn and in the kitchen. Literally and figuratively. And downstairs in the studio. So this was studio weekend. This was a weekend for writing and recording. And uh, it was a heavy lift. We spent eight hours copywriting this weekend. And then we spent another five hours recording. And uh, really excited about that. And then to celebrate that, we went into the hell barn and we just took the rest of our energy and emptied the ATP out of ourselves and just drained our... Yeah, it's amazing that that's, it's kind of like when kids, when you ask them if they want to have dessert and, uh, you know, they always have that dessert tank, you know, that, you know, they're, they're, they're so full when it comes to finishing their, yeah. their protein, their fat and but that, you know, there's always plenty of room for dessert. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we were just emptied the tank on, I don't know whether that's right brain or left brain. I'm too fried to even make a guess at that. But, um, you know, between the copywriting and the filming, it was amazing how just walking outside, like came, coming out of the studio, out of the dark yeah. and into the sunshine today. And it was so gorgeous out there. And it was just notable that we were like, oh man, it's, it's a gorgeous day. Yeah. We need to be outside the rest of the day. And yeah. uh, to be able to walk across that lawn and walk into the hell barn and throw the doors open and just have it open air and just go after it. It was amazing how energizing that was. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's a few pieces of equipment that the Francins have in their gym that I don't have in mine, like the assault bike. The ass bike. If you've never had or tried the assault bike, (laughs) you'll get your ass handed to you on that bike. Uh, Great workout. Great to be with you and your family. Yeah, you too, buddy. And uh, really looking forward to this episode. This is a a, maybe a part two of an episode that we're recording talking about. You know, having a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life is really a two-step process, right? So what has to happen is you have to go from being, from owning a business to owning a job, right? So you have to turn your job into a business and then you have to go from being an owner-operator and becoming the CEO. So we've talked about transformation of going from the owner-operator to CEO. Now we're going to talk about going from owning a job to owning a business. And what we often say is that when you own a job, really the job owns you, right? So that's what ends up happening. That's the reality. And I think that will land with a lot of our listeners is that if you feel like the job owns you, okay, cool. That's that's just context for where you find yourself right that's now. Right. There are four seasons in your career. Every single person goes through, well, should go through all four seasons and you wanted to go through them well. They're all beautiful. They're all necessary. Oftentimes we find that doctors are stuck in the build, wanting to go into scale or exit but they haven't made the transformation of those two steps. So we're going to talk about that here today. Yeah. I mean, I think um, on our last episode, we really unpacked the idea of like going from that owner operator to going to the CEO. And I think here we'll have the conversation around what does it mean to take a job and turn it into a business? And I talked a bit about my window cleaning business 
in Atlanta that I had while I was in school and how that was really my for, my foray into owning a business, being an entrepreneur. And, and I learned so much from that experience because I literally had to go through, I went through the four seasons. <laughs> I, was like, I thought about that after our conversation. I went through the four seasons of a window washer's career. Right? I wow. launched, I built, I scaled, and I exited. All chiropractic. Uh, yeah, long before I knew what the hell I was doing and definitely long before that there was any structure or language around that, right? Um, but it was great. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was such an incredible experience to go through that. And I got to go through it with my brother, which admittedly was an incredibly trying time for him and I, you know, it's yeah. just, just like, I mean, we were in different places in our life. He was fresh out of school. He was just, you know, he was younger than I was. I mean, fresh out of uh, college. He wasn't looking to seriously settle down yet. I, you know, I had already had the 20, 21, 22 years and he was just enjoying that. And I was into a relationship now. I knew what I wanted to do professionally. I was in chiropractic school. I was just about to get graduate. You know, he had to put up with me as the boss, <laughs> you know, and I was a full on owner operator trying to figure out what it meant to be a, a CEO. And man, what I learned, I learned so much about that, you know, that dynamic as I tried to exit uh, because I, you know, what I had to, you know, what I had to do was I had to scale I didn't know I was scaling, but I had to scale before I could exit because I went into student clinic. Yeah. So now I could no longer be the guy on the ladder washing the windows. I had to hire other guys, train. I flew down a couple more of my cousins to run my two crews. So we were doing two houses a day. My brother was r running over the top of it. And I, I was doing sales and customer support. So I was no longer on a ladder. I was no longer the guy you know, that was delivering the value. I was just selling and I was organizing the company and running the company and dealing with the employees and doing customer service, yeah. which is scale, right? So I Absolutely. went into scale and I had these guys just running the crew for me. And that was my first taste of that. And then when I exited, it made sense to him because he knew everything had been systematized. We built out great teams. We trained them how to do their work. They had all their equipment. Yeah, We had a great brand and a great reputation. And he turned it into an awesome company. I left him, you know, a great foundation and a great start with a great work ethic and culture. You know, he took it and blew it up. And that was just a great launch pad for me as I went into practice. Yeah. I wish I was more mindful around right. what I had learned washing windows going into practice. Because you know what I did? I reverted back to what I had done before, right? At what I had been trained in, which is being the owner operator. Yeah. And I launched the practice. And sure enough, a year, two, three years later, I was head down, bum up, delivering the value. I was the guy delivering all the adjustments, and I hadn't quite gotten into scaling eggs. I, you know, the the scaling part of it. I had not created a, a business, and I certainly uh, owned a job. I mean, I think it's because I mean, here here's the reality: you knew the window washing company was a stepping stone. It wasn't your career. You knew this was something you were going to pass through. You actually did it probably faster and in a more healthy way than your career because you say, when I land in my career, I'm going to go ahead and just settle in here and just be an owner-operator for the rest of the I life. I knew I had to Don't exit from the beginning. Don't me out of here from below my high-low, right? Like that that mindset, that's the chiropractic mindset. And somehow we we think like that's, that is the epitome of commitment. My commitment to I'll die on the high-low. This has nothing to do with your commitment to serving and saving lives and adding value and making a difference and fulfilling your mission and your purpose and call it. That is nothing. I'm just saying that mindset. Yeah. That we that owner mindset mindset that we we actually think that that is where we need to be. That's righteous. Like yeah. That's the right thing. The other thing you said that was so powerful was exit 
always exposes. That's what I was thinking. Exit exposes the reality of where you're at. When you consider exiting, all of a sudden everything comes very clear to focus. If your systems aren't in place, if your people are not there, somebody's going to strike a check. This thing is depending on you. It's personality driven or you're the guy up on the ladder washing the windows or whatever, however you do that. That becomes very clear. And we see that in chiropractic. As soon as the chiropractor starts getting closer to exit, all of a sudden it's like, oh, right? Blood pressure goes up. Yes. Stress level goes up. I have not prepared for this. Yeah, no, what you said there was really striking. And literally in, on this couch right now, this is having this conversation is the first time I've ever framed it that way of, I ran that window washing company knowing, knowing that I was going to exit when I graduated school. So there was a timeline on it. Like I had a, that thing was on a, there was a fuse on that business. Yeah. And I knew I was moving out of Atlanta, moving back to Boston. Yeah. And so I had to build it to sell it. I knew it. Right. So that's amazing. I've, I've never really thought of it that way, but yeah, actually I knew ahead of time without having terms for it, that I was going to have to launch it build it, scale it, and then exit it. Yeah. And, and, you know, here I am, this kid trying to become a chiropractor. But at the, at the same time, it was an eight. It totally made sense. I had to do it that way. Yeah. But when I launched my chiropractic practice after my $200,000 investment in education, five years in Atlanta, internship in Arkansas, our associateship in Virginia, and having gone through the four seasons of the window washing career, I still landed as a chiropractor and said what you just said, which is, they will drag my cold, dead body out of here. You know, I'm going to, they're going to find me tucked between the wall and the high low one day, you know, keeled over after a 45 year practice. Cause I was thinking to myself, that's exactly what I want to do. Right. Because that was, that was what I had been told. That's, right. that's how you serve the mission. And so, you know, we, we want to paint like a really good picture here. Cause I mean, the reality is, is we, you know, as listeners to this program, we've got chiropractors and we, I know we've got students that listen because they've been telling us students, chiropractors within their first year in practice and chiropractors have been in practice for 30 plus years. We know that all of you are listening to this right now. And so what I want to talk about is, is your epiphany, right? Can we, can we do that? Yeah. Because really it was an epiphany. You had built a job, a really successful job and you can, and we don't believe in comparing, but if you just put it up your practice against most practices around the world. It was the original remarkable practice. Original remarkable practice, all that. So, but let's talk about, okay, so you built a really good job. I built a great job. You, you, were, you were saving lives. It was lives. the remarkable job. It was the remarkable job. You were washing windows in your chiropractic office. Yeah. Right? You were doing the thing that matters. But something happened, right? So can you talk about that? Like you, you realized I built a job. What, when, when did that happen? What, what was the, did you have an aha moment? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we, you know, we had, we hit the ground running. When I say we, Camilla, my wife, Dr. Camilla, who I had met at Life, who is just awesome, powerhouse, phenomenal, principled, on-purpose chiropractor, who is just so talented. Um, she was, you know, right by my side the entire time. So whenever I say I or we, it was Camilla and I, we did the whole thing. Uh, and at the end of the day, we built that place to what we would consider a successful chiropractic practice. And at the time, this, the, the, the definition of success had been given to us as a busy practice. We were busy. We were really busy, right? And we built a busy, busy practice. And at the time, we had no kids. We were married. We were both in there. So it's not like most doctors feel like they're having an affair with their practice because they're there and not with their wife or they're with their husband, right? And so there was none of that resentment. You know, my wife was right right there in the trenches with me. So, you know, we had a 10, we were together 12 years before we had kids. So it was, that was our child. So we were wildly out of balance, right? We were, we were just literally in there slugging it out, building a busy practice. And then all of a sudden, 
everything changed for me. Everything all, all of a sudden I realized that, you know, I had just morphed into this control freak, like this control freak, perfectionist, Clydesdale chiropractor, I like to say. This is like, you know, I wanted to do it all myself. I was happy to do it all myself because then at least I could control it and it would be perfect in my mind's eye, right? So it's like I was in this really comfortable, uncomfortable place of like, I will, I'm happy to do all the work because at least then I have the control and I can have it be perfect. And, and you know, it, this is, this is like, this is my thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I recognized that as we were going beyond growing beyond what I would consider my breaking point, yeah. I felt like I was trying to get 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag every day, Yeah, every day. Right. And I knew I started to realize that, wow, if I grow anymore, we're going to be even more out of balance. Like we were already skipping workouts. We weren't taking vacations. We were there all night. Didn't matter because we'd stay late. We'd go out for dinner. I mean, we were just like young. We are still sort of in the honeymoon phase of our relationship. And we were both psyched. We are being quote unquote successful. We are making great money. And we are making a huge impact in our community. So like we were tick, tick, tick all the boxes we knew that needed to be ticked. But then I, I had that epiphany. I recognized that, oh my gosh, if we grow more, we're really going to start breaking down. And I started to see the wagon wheels coming off. The apples were falling off the cart, right? And I just recognized, you know what? This is not sustainable, number one. I can't just keep doing this. Camilla, she recognized it sooner than I did. And then I recognized, well, this, this, we can't grow anymore. So, you know, what about the purpose? What about the mission? You know, what about our vision for changing the face of healthcare in our community? This is, we're not going to do that where we are right now. So if we were to grow, how are we going to do that? without getting even more out of balance, right? So this was a really, this was a, an inflection point for us. It was a big yeah. conflict. And you, we've talked about this before, but the, the kind of vision that came to my mind is the idea of tunnel vision. I think a lot of doctors get into tunnel vision and the tunnel is the tunnel they've created with their own vision, right? So you had this, this vision of what success looked like to you. Maybe it was influenced by other people. Oh, no, it was given to me. I literally adopted, adopted somebody else's and, vision and I, of success. And, I, and I, I did as well. And I'm grateful for what I adopted because of what it enabled me to create. Right. So I, I, I'm grateful for my mentors and, and for everyone Absolutely. who supported me Absolutely. in my journey. And I know that you've, you always just speak so highly and rave about the people that have poured into you and yeah. helped you along your way. But at one point, point, there's a pivot where yeah. your vision, their vision, your vision takes over. Yeah. And now you and Camilla are looking at your life and practice. And like you said, Dr. Camilla kind of had this sense first something's got to change here well you know we first thing we did was we decided you know we're going to take our job i recognized i had a job because it was not durable at all right so if i anything ever happened to me the practice stopped right so it's just like you know i was carrying the the majority of the volume right camilla was terrified if anything ever happened to me i was like I'm the driver and the builder of the practice, right? So I was like, all right, well, that's easy. Let's just start bringing in associate doctors because she wanted to start having babies. We're like, okay, this is really cool. We're bringing associate doctors. I love training people. We're bringing them in and uh, you go have babies and this will be hunky-dory, right? So I started hiring people, but of course, that was one half of the equation. I made one step. I went from having a job to having a business by hiring some other professionals who could deliver value in my absence, right? Yeah. The problem was that myself, I never made the transition from owner, operator, CEO. I never made that ad identity shift. It was the Franson show. And everyone was around me supporting me as I did the thing, right? I did the work. And man, that was, that was quote unquote successful for about three or four years. We really built. 
And now I had all these like assistants around me helping me do the work. And, I, and, and man, again, I maxed that out, right? Yeah. And then sure enough, it came to the point where I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What have I done? I've, I've created a monster. Now I have all these patients who just want to see me, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was it. I recognized, I was like, okay, we need to change everything. And that's where I broke through. And it was like, literally, I need to just focus on creating systems, hire the right people, and commit myself to training and developing these people, right? Yeah. So next thing you know, you know, I became a delegation master. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it was all about, is just recognizing that together we go further, right? So I was actually putting the cap on the business myself, as you yeah. like to say, right? So uh, because I was wearing all the hats, right? Yeah. So I was putting the lid on the practice. Uh, and, you know, and for me at the time, it was an ego thing, right? So I was just like, okay, so yeah, I'm the man, I'm the rainmaker, I can make this happen, I can deliver value, my control freak was being fed, my perfectionist was being fed, I have a great work ethic, so it wasn't, I wasn't tired. That's right. But, but, it was not scalable, it was not durable, and it was definitely not transferable. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is absolutely an identity shift, because the identity of wearing all the hats and wearing all, you know, if you consist on wearing all the hats, you're putting lid on your practice, to me, I was so hook, line, and sinker for that one, man. Yeah. I got all my value in this, see how many hats I could wear and yeah. how much control. So I'll, what I want to ask is, you know, to our listeners, if they suffer from CPC. Now, a lot of people don't know about the condition CPC, but Dr. Steven, you know, he suffered from that. And I know that I did never knew that I suffered from it until I met him. And he talked about his CPC condition. Now, you can overcome this condition, right? There, there is a solution for this condition. Can you talk about the condition of CPC, right? That's what you really... Ha- that had to get exposed. I mean, at some point you have to come, have that come to Jesus moment where it's like, this is reality. This is how I have been. This is how I'm being and what has to change. Oh yeah, no, and mine was what adult, I don't know if it was adult onset, but it was chronic. You know, it was, it, was de- it could have been terminal actually <laughs> for, for my, for me personally, our marriage, maybe, uh, you know, definitely our practice, but it's, it's that control freak perfectionist Clydesdale chiropractor. Right. Yeah. So, and I had a bad case of it, but as soon as I saw the light, I was like, I trade that in and I'll become a master systems developer, team builder and trainer. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, man, that's when the lid came off. Uh, that's when the practice just grew. I clawed back my free time in my personal life and, uh, you know, and I got back to having my life. And that was literally when I was like, oh my gosh, if it works for me, if, if, if I can be, if I can be saved, yeah, yeah, <laughs> if I can be cured, anybody can. Uh, and that's really the premise of everything we're doing. So, so let's talk to the doctor out there who, who's listening. They're like, uh oh, that's me, man. As you're talking, I'm like, that's exactly how I was. I, I, I'm grateful that I've also been able to overcome that. And that's exactly what the Remarkable CEO program is entirely about. It's for the doctor to escape the CPC, to escape that owner operator, to move into a different way of being. So let's, let's talk to that, that doctor. Yeah. Because this is hard. Yeah. 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 Let's be really clear. This is, this is hard because you're really fighting against the way you're hardwired. Here's the hardest part of it. Going from a job to a business is actually easier because it's sensible. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll just hire other people. I'll bolt on more horsepower and I'll start to leverage other people. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, right? The hard part is going from the owner-operator to the CEO when you have to recognize that it's time for you to surrender and you actually have to get smaller while you make everybody else bigger, right? Like to lift up your people, which means you have to have systems in place. You have to bring the right people into your team and you have to elevate your people and you have to give them an opportunity to shine, yeah. You know, God only makes genius, as we like to say. So you got to make sure you're, you're, you're really clear on the roles of your business. Yeah. 
bring in the right people, which is an art form and a science. You got to yeah. bring the right people in, which is a totally different episode. And then you've got to invest in just equipping them. You've got to train and equip them. And then you have to edify them. You've got to yeah. elevate them. Yeah. And man, what a difference, what a shift to going from being the Franson show where I was the man to bringing myself the, these A players, both my doctors and my CAs, and elevating my doctors in the eyes of my patients yeah. and edifying them and lifting them up. Man, that's when everything came together. So if you're listening, like I'm listening to you talk and I'm, I'm considering, you know, a listener who's, who's paying attention right now. And I'm like, okay, so what you're saying is that for me to be able to turn my job, because I feel like I have a job, right? And if you feel like you have a job, it's totally cool. It's really actually important to identify. First step is identification. You have to identify where you are. And you actually have to go through that phase. And you have you to don't get to just phase. leapfrog into that. True. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you so, just don't. Because you don't have the chops to lead a team if you don't. That's right. So we talk about in the build, in the build phase, it's all about mastery. So they're mastering a lot of things. One of them is, is hiring and then building a team, training a team, putting systems in place. So you have to go through that if you want to make the transition. What I see is historically the problem is all of the systems that we've created are built around you, right? And the pivot is your systems are built, become built around your team. That's right. Right? So it's no longer the me show, the we show. So you go from the me show to the we show. It's a completely different game. Like you said, it's so amazing, but we allow everybody else to rise and shine. Our job is to shine the light on them, right? We talk about how important it is, what energy is, right? To be able to take the, en- the energy, the, the sunbeam, so to speak, and focus it. Well, the same is true that we do to them. Like, so you have, the collective force shining down on your to grow the business, but then you as a CEO shine on them. So your job is to elevate them so that when they are functioning, their collective effort is this amazing force of, of energy that just bursts into flame and creates this amazing thing. That to me is the, the leap of faith, I That's think right. that you said, because right. other, because before you it was like, Hey team, everybody get around me, hold me here and let the, let the sunbeams shine through me and I'll, I'll ignite the fire. Yeah. It's the opposite. So, you know, we, uh, <laughs> I want to get into this. And I want to go deeper because, you know, we talk about the six sides of the Rubik's Cube and one of those is leadership, right? And everybody's getting comfortable with the idea of the six sides of the Rubik's Cube. But then what they don't know what we're going to do to them is there's nine cubes in each side of the Rubik's Cube, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so there's, there's nine, there's, there's, there's so nine, there's nine elements that you have to get right in each side of the Rubik's Cube. So there's actually 54 elements, right? Yes. So, yes. you know, one of those elements, you know, we've talked about already is surrender, right? Is yeah. just surrendering that. And then another, another one is just the focusing that comes with delegation and focusing. But you've got to, you've got to recognize that. That, you know, when you when you have a team like that, the key role of the of the CEO is to become smaller, so to speak, yep. by elevating everybody around them, which is really counterintuitive, correct? Right? But you build such a healthier organization that can make a bigger impact. That's the CEO's role with their team. Yeah, it's a shift. It's a major shift. Yes, you is. don't have a bunch of assistants that you've surrounded yourself that support you while you do the things, right? You actually surround yourself with people. You invest in the assets who have talent that are, you're going to be able to leverage and horsepower that you're going to be able to leverage to reach your goals. That's a totally different mindset. That's the mindset difference between an owner, operator, and a CEO. Yeah. Another example of that outward facing to your client base, to your patients or your customers or whatever you want to call them. If, if you're looking at the patient as an owner, operator, as an OO, you recognize that the customer is the center of the universe. The patient is the center of the universe. And as the owner operator, as the doctor delivering the care, 
you recognize that you have to focus on the patient. Right. Like that's like your number one priority. I have to focus on the patient. That's an owner operator identity and perspective. Okay. A CEO shift is I can't be focusing on the patient. I need to focus on my team so my team can focus on my patient. Correct. That's an example of scaling. If you think about if you have four or five people on your team who are awesome, A players, who are in the right seats, who are fully, you've delegated, trained them, equipped them. If you have five people focusing on your clients, on your patients, on the people, that's going to be 5X. So you're not just giving up, you're not just gaining efficiency, you're gaining effectiveness by doing that. Yeah, efficiency and effectiveness is so big. So two two kind of things came to my mind as you were talking. One is I, I'm seeing the, like the classic outboard motor, right? So you got an outboard speedboat and you got the the boat with one engine on it. It's a 200 to 350, right? And it's just and that's like your that's the boat as you as the owner operator. But the CEO, next thing you know, it's one of those boats with four engines in the back, man. And they're all they may not be the 350 or 400. There's three 250s yeah, or four exactly. 250s. I'll take that boat in a all race day. against you all day and the sustainability. Now it's going to take more fuel and, and it, you know, so there's different dynamics, but that's the thing. I remember when I would tell my team, I said, listen, you know, your job is to protect me, right? That's it. Like when, as soon as we open the doors, your job is to protect me. My state is so important when I'm in the adjustatorium, when I'm in the bays and I'm adjusting my, your job is to protect me so I can stay in the healing zone. Yeah. And we had a lot of things in place that enabled that to happen, but my team knew that was their job. When you pivot and you shift, like you said, and you have other caregivers in the office, it now becomes your job to protect them. Creating the environment where they can do the best work. Right, correct them, and then creating the team. So I always say the proximity problem, you've backed out just a little bit to get a little bit more perspective. The three things that have to change for the CO is you have to have, a, you have, to have an identity shift, a perspective shift, and a behavior shift. And so those three shifts that have to happen, you step back and you start seeing things from a different perspective you begin to see, oh, I'm going to create space for the doctors to be able to be amazing caregivers. Because I'll tell you, when it comes, you open the door in your, your office, like my practice, line out the door. And when you open that door, man, it is, it's ground zero. I mean, there is stuff happening. It's, it's big time. Everybody has to be ready. Everybody needs to know their position. Everybody needs to know the roles, responsibilities. Everybody got to know what's the objective. What are we doing here today? And what's important now? What's important next? The whole thing. My job as a CEO is to create that environment so when people come in, it's just peace. It's just flow. Yeah. You're in the flow, and it's just this amazing. You can see it. Orchestra. Just you, a, you can see it. All the moving parts just happening, and just it's beautiful. So let's let's land this thing here, yeah. right? So so to begin with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey taught us, right? So it's like we we started this conversation with like, hey, when I had a window cleaning company, I knew I was moving out of Atlanta, moving up to Georgia. I want, I mean, up to Boston. I wanted to capture some value. I created something that had value. Let me create this thing so I can sell it. Yeah. Right. And by the way, I'm selling it to my brother. So it's not like I'm like, you know, I'm never going to talk to this guy again. It's right. just like, it's my brother. Right? Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure this thing was packaged up and bundled properly and he could take it and go with it and grow with it, which of course he did. I'm so proud of him what he's done. Right. So when you look at your practice and, and you have, you begin with the end in mind, you, you recognize, I mean, just, just get visceral with this for a second, doc. Can you imagine which practice would you rather buy? Would you rather buy the practice that I ran when it was on my back and I was carrying 75, 80% of the volume and doing all the work. I was doing the day ones, new patient conversions, the, I was doing the resigns, I was doing the adjustments, right? And I had all these assistants around me. Do you want to buy that practice? 
Or do you want to buy the practice where I have three associate doctors and their caregivers and the volume spread across all of them and everybody's doing every part, attraction, conversion, retention, team building, and everybody, and I have a team running systems. They're trained up. Everything's delegated. There's KPI scorecards. And you have a business yeah. where, where literally patients are used to caregivers turning over. We might change doctors. Somebody gets married. Somebody gets pregnant. Somebody moves away. Somebody quits. Somebody gets fired. You know, there's a turnover process, but the patients are equipped because there's a culture of, I'm here for the chiropractic, not the culture. I mean, not, not the chiropractor. I'm not here for the adjustor. I'm here for the adjustment. Next thing you know, you have a real true business where everybody's on a care plan. They're on a payment plan. They'll see whatever doctor's whatever doctor is available because we have a system in place and it's airtight and the patient's experience has continuity. Which business would you want to buy? Yeah, there's no doubt I'm buying the second business. And that's where we talk about having remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life leads to a remarkable exit whenever that time would come. That's right. And for your succession plan, when you think about the succession plan, you think about leaving a legacy. I think that's important that we as chiropractors, really the word maturity is what comes to my mind, but we need to think beyond ourselves and our lifetime even beyond potentially our children's lifetime. If we can, if we can build practices and we can create a business that lives beyond us, we've actually done something significant. I truly believe that. And that's what you're talking about. You're saying, you know, we say, you know, we built it to sell it. But when, when you get to that point where you're going to sell your practice, because eventually one of us, we're all going to get there. The question is not Everyone exits. if you're going to get there. It's just the question of how you're going to get there. Everyone exits. How it's going to happen when you get there because you're getting there. We want it for you to be a graceful and a profitable exit. We're able to capture the full value and you leave a lasting legacy. That's right. To me, that's really the goal. All right, guys. So I want to make sure you hear what we're saying here is this program is not designed around exit. Okay. Yeah. This program is designed with exit in mind because which business would you rather own? Which business would you rather work in? Let's say it was you that you worked in this business. Which business would you rather own? Which business would you rather work in? And which which business do you think your CAs would rather work inside of? Think about that, right? So it's not just the exit, but the exit is the lens through which you design your current experience. So when you're designing something with the end in mind, it creates such clarity around exactly what we should be doing now. Remember, the CEO's job, what's important now and what's important next. Thanks so much for tuning in with us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.